Hello, welcome to another episode of Breakfast Theology. I'm Josiah Kane. And I'm Chuck Jones, still. It, <laughs> it's, well, it's been three months since our last one. Who knows what's, who we could become. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, our first episode back after the COVID-19 uh, quarantine and lockdown and restaurants are just starting to open up again here in Michigan. But you probably could guess we are here at IHOP. Um, social distancing from everybody else in the restaurant, as you would expect. Uh, today I had the two by two by two breakfast, two pancakes, two strips of bacon, two scrambled eggs, and some coffee. Yeah, I had a waffle and chicken. That's a good breakfast. With honey mustard dipping stuff. Mm-hmm. It was good chicken, I'll tell you. Yeah. I really enjoy that. I don't think they put enough on my plate. <laughs> <clears throat> so a uh, really popular topic that we thought we would talk about as our first week back is the book of Habakkuk. <laughs> really uh, not a book that a lot of us get to hear about on a normal basis. No. And um, it's kind of... Uh, has a lot to say about our current culture, I think, and also some really encouraging things that should uplift us and kind yeah. of teach us how to our attitude in the Lord. Well, it's a pretty short book. Yeah. Three chapters. Take a guess. How long do you suppose it would take somebody to read the whole thing? 20 minutes. There you go. You can invest 20 minutes in a very good book. And if you, uh, you, you can uh, search on YouTube for audio, you can just listen to it if, if you prefer. So before we kind of hop into Habakkuk, let's just uh, talk a little bit about its background so that everybody kind of knows where, what this book is about and when it was written. Okay. So Habakkuk is a prophet of God who has a conversation with God, and that conversation is recorded here in this book. Both sides. Both sides, from Habakkuk and from God. And the point of... Who is the king at this time? Josiah. <laughs> Josiah is the king, and uh, Babylon is knocking on the doorstep of Israel. Um, and if you're reading, the first chapter mentions the Chaldeans, which is uh, where the Babylonians are from. And most books in the Old Testament... Uh, especially prophetic books were written uh, kind of from the perspective of God is telling the people of Israel something and is kind of going through this man and he's delivering this message. And Habakkuk is unique in the way that is written because it's not written directly to Israel. I mean, obviously the people of Israel are supposed to be mm -hmm. hearing this and reading this, but it's just more of this conversational... It's more of a transcript of yeah. a conversation. Yeah. And there's a lot to be learned from it. I think you're right. And so Habakkuk is in a terrible situation. Israel is going down the drain. You know, the toil has been flushed and Israel is going down. If morally, uh, you know, they're not following the law anymore. And the first four verses of Habakkuk chapter 1 talk about just what Habakkuk sees and how terrible it is and 
how there's injustice going on. Yeah. And no one's following the law. I get a kick out of people who will look at Bible characters mm -hmm. and say, well, why would they do that? I would never do such a thing. And I've, I, I distinctly remember talking about Adam and Eve and somebody saying, I wouldn't have done that. Hmm. Well, then... It would have I'm, been something else. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you would have done something close to it. Yeah. Or you have all, have since. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have hindsight, you know, on our side. So we're looking at Adam and Eve and all the problems they caused. And, of course, we would have tried not to make that decision. But when we're in someone's shoes, it's hard to tell. Yeah. I have, you know, I've been in conversations <laughs> with people about one sin or another sin. And on the airplane one time I was having a discussion with a fellow about a particular sin, don't need to mention it. And he said, I'd never do that. Well, I, I brought the conversation to a close. This is at the beginning of the flight. <laughs> he didn't talk to me afterwards, but I said to him, I said, you know, any person is capable of any sin, any time. And he just wouldn't accept that. I think that realization is important for our understanding of grace. There you go. Because it's really easy to think of yourself better than someone. Um, and think that you're uh, above, above a sin or above committing a sin. Mm -hmm. And therefore you're kind of elevated in your own mind. So it's an important healthy practice to realize that you are capable of doing terrible things and you have sinned. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that I'm better than being able or willing to do that particular sin set you up because if you don't think you're capable, you're mm. not going to watch out. Yeah. You're not going to be on guard. <coughs> and what's the Bible say about pride? Before the fall. And it may comes. be that particular sin that you know you're not capable of. Mm -hmm. If you don't watch out. Yep. Humility is a good, good thing to carry along with yeah. you. Well, you know, the publican and the Pharisee in the temple. The Pharisee saying, I'm glad you didn't make me like him. Because mm -hmm. yeah. I do all these wonderful things all the time. I'm sure he doesn't. But I do. Mm -hmm. And the publican can't do anything but beat himself on the chest and say, be merciful to me because I'm a sinner. Yeah. It shows us two kinds of justification. You can justify yourself. Mm-hmm for whatever that's worth. It goes as far as your authority does. Yeah. Or God can justify you, to which there is no condemnation. 
And Jesus said, which one went, that man went justified to his house. Speaking of sin, there was a lot of it going on. (laughs) Well, there is, I guess, at every point in history and time and people, there is a lot of it going on. But Habakkuk seemed to be looking at this situation and realizing it acutely in his people. And he wanted God to, or he was asking God, rather, is there anything, like, he's asking God, are you actually seeing this? Are you seeing the brokenness of the people and all the things that have been unjustly done? And and God's not unaware of it. He sees it. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think kind of like talk, what we were talking about, I think you would see the the heart of the people who are prideful and who unjustly accuse others and who think they're better than others. And he sees the, the injustice of the wicked who know what they're doing and love doing it. Mm-hmm. He sees it all, and he's not unaware of what's going on in this world. He's not, he's not so distant or or clean or whatever. He's not above looking at what's going on and trying to do something about it. And so the story of Habakkuk is God telling him what's coming with the Babylonians coming to Israel. And um, then in chapter 2, God really lays the hammer down on unrighteousness in people. And he talks about, there's five different woes. He talks about the people who who do wrong with their economic dealings. And he talks about people with slavery and people who spend their money on wine and um, other nefarious activities. And he talks about people who worship idols and talks about how all of those things are going to be removed from the world eventually or removed from Israel eventually. Yeah, that idea about the wine remind, reminded me of uh, the third seal in Revelation 6. He opened the third seal and I heard the third living creature say, come and look. So I looked and behold a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand, and I heard the voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying, a quart of wheat for a denarius, and three quarts of barley for a denarius, and do not harm the oil or the wine. Hmm. Priorities, huh? Mm Mm-hmm. Hmm. There are a few things that are uh, common for man to fall into some big categories of uh, sin and injustice and alcohol seems to be one of those. And Drunken. Drunkenness and sexual promiscuity and the worship of things that aren't God. Oh, yeah. And unjustness and dealings with money and people. Those seem to be major categories of, of sin. I think it's really encouraging in Habakkuk 3 we get this really big, magnificent view of God as kind of this uh, 
it, it kind of ties back into the Old Testament, the earlier accounts of God's glory being shown like on Mount Sinai. Uh-huh. And where like everything's surrounded in fire and lightning and it just shows the power of God. And then we get to the end of Habakkuk verses 16 and to the end of the chapter where Habakkuk realizes something that God is actually in control and he's going to come back and fix everything. Uh, yeah. When I heard, my body trembled. Mm-hmm. My lips quivered. Yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. kind of like the Israelites at Mount Sinai. They're like, we don't even want to be here. This is terrifying. Yeah. This is... Don't let us hear that voice again. Yeah. Okay. The, the, when God is showing off his power, it is he doesn't, inspiring. He doesn't take much to impress humans. No. Decay enters my bones. And in my place I turn... Like he, kind of like this idea of so scared or inspired like I feel like dying like this is just incredible like it's something well, that I can't even understand like Isaiah said woe is me I am undone mm. he sees the holiness and power of God and he's he can't come back from like he, he just realizes his place yeah. his sin his lack of power, you know, all of that just really uh, tears people apart. So in the midst of the injustice and oppression that Habakkuk was complaining about, wondering, can God really see all of this? Mm -hmm. Where is God when it hurts? Can't God stop this? That kind of thing. We find a, 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 a hymn, mm-hmm. I guess, at the end of the book that sums it up pretty good for Habakkuk. You want to read that? The last few verses? Starting with 17. Definitely. Chapter 3, verse 17. Though the fig should not blossom, and there be no fruit on the vines... Though the yield of the olive should fail, and the field produce no food, though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. Hold it. Yeah. What kind of a picture is he painting? A very grim one, where there's no there's no food, there's a food shortage, there's, there's a, unemployment, yep. and no insurance, yep. and no prospect for jobs. Mm-hmm. There seems to be... A very grim situation happening. So in the midst of that, Habakkuk says, Yet I will exult in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength and has made my feet like hinds feet. It makes me walk on high places. uh, What does your verse 19 say? He makes my feet like deer's feet. And will make me walk on high hills. Stability. Mm-hmm. No slipping. I saw a picture of mountain goats on the side of a <laughs> dam. Yeah. You think there's no way there's what, any place to stand on that. Yeah, what are they what are they standing on? 
Yeah, it's there. You have it. I've seen many mountain goats do things that I thought were impossible. They defy gravity. And um, this is the kind of image I think that Habakkuk wants to give us is that when things seem really dark, and I think maybe our country is in times where things might seem that way, or we might come through seasons of our life where things seem particularly, particularly bad, it's important to realize the attitude that Habakkuk takes. And this is after seeing God's power and control in the world. He says, I'm going to give my praise to God. I'm going to rejoice in his salvation. Because we should know and recognize, and it should always be on the forefront of our mind, that God is coming back to fix this life, to fix this world, and to make everything wrong right. And that should cause us to be joyful. Really? And I think personally that it's more than just saying these things hmm. oh I'm rejoicing in God you know yeah and sometimes on Sunday morning we do it inadvertently in the songs that we sing mm-hmm. you know I remember singing that chorus I exalt thee for yep. thou O Lord art high mm-hmm. above all the earth I exalt thee and you sing that Mm-hmm. Till t- you want to sing something else, <laughs> and I thought later, I wonder what's going through people's minds while they're while they're singing those words. Well, I hope I can get in the restaurant. <laughs> can I sit down soon? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, when your mind's on other things. Are you really exalting God? Yeah, you're probably thinking about, is there enough time between the end of this song and the end of prayer and praise time and go grab a cup of coffee? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's, um, I think there is a danger with us singing worship songs without being in the right mental space because we can easily just be saying words without any meaning. I Uh think that's dangerous because... It is. That's the same as being unwise, you know, it's... Vain repetitions. yeah. And it doesn't mean much. Well, but, I've, equ- I've equated that with, if I can just interject this. Please. Oh, Jesus and the woman at the well, do we worship in on the mountain or at the temple? Mm-hmm. Neither, Jesus said. But the time is coming when God wants those who worship him to worship him in spirit and in truth. Now, and I've heard the debate about, well, that means you got to be a little bit charismatic. No, no, that means you got to be theological. Well, I don't think either one of those is true. What I've come to think is your spirit is displayed by what comes out of your mouth. And where your heart and mind is while you're doing it. Does what you say agree with what's in your heart? Mm-hmm. And I'm singing this praise song, and it's not registering anything, and it certainly doesn't reflect my lifestyle. Mm. You're not worshiping in spirit and truth. That's a really interesting point, because where do you think Habakkuk is in this conversation? Like, physically located. Do you think he's in the temple? Do you think he's... He could very well be in his house. Or he could be on the top of a mountain or walking say, by the latrine it? on the road, you know? 
It doesn't say where he is. But yet, he is exalting the Lord. He's rejoicing in his salvation. Uh-huh. I think that goes to prove the point. Spirit and truth isn't a physical place. Having joy and exalting the Lord doesn't happen in a specific place. It happens with our attitude and our realization of God's goodness and the realization of the, the future he has in store for us. Mm-hmm. Those are the things that drive us towards praise. Because, yes, because they've become real to us. Mm. And maybe there is a silver lining to all the brokenness we see in our lives today. I think so. Because it greater brings to attention all the great things that are going to happen and the promises that God has made for us. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, to the question of can God stop all this bad stuff? Well, yeah. He could. But it is, that's uh, not his intention. Romans 9. This, I think, is what God has in mind. His part of his plan. Can he do something for himself? We want the plan of salvation to be all about us. Mm-hmm. But it ain't all about us. What if, verse Romans 9.22, what if God, wanting to show his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much long-suffering the vessels of wrath prepared for destruction, and that he might make known the riches of his glory on the vessels of mercy which he prepared beforehand for glory. Even us whom he has called not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. God wants to make a grand demonstration. And he's going to do that. Now when that happens, we'll be happy. You know, maybe. (laughs) Yeah, depending on where you're standing. Yeah. Justice is always a good thing for those who are on the receiving end of the justice. Yeah. Justice is always a bad thing for the one who's being punished, for the injustice. Yeah. That's right. Just to clarify, not that it's our correctness that earns us that just position. We are but humble recipients of God's mercy and grace in our lives. So it's not like we're saying, oh, we're better than you, so we get to be the ones receiving the justice because all these wicked people did the wrong things. No, it's... We're all should be on that side. <laughs> That's right. God is planning on making a grand entrance into this world again. And he's planning on sending a son back to start that process of redemption yeah. in the world. Yeah, that's another lovely verse in Revelation uh, 12, I think. I'm guessing here. 11, Revelation 11, 15. And the seventh angel sounded. And there was a loud voice in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord 
and his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and, and his Christ. Ta-da! Mm -hmm. Ta-da. And that's kind of what Habakkuk is about. It talks about the fall of Babylon and kind of the implication there will no longer be these corrupt governments in this world where people do the the unjust things that we that you see in Habakkuk too. God is coming to set all these nations straight. He's going to fix all these injustices. And he's going to put everything under the control of his son. Mm -hmm. Well, a, a thought just came to my mind that if you really do want justice, if that's really what you want, it seems that you would be drawn towards the author of justice. Yeah. You know, my experience in California was on a hot, sunny day, you always looked for the shade. Yeah. Just because that's what you wanted, a little relief. Mm -hmm. The same thing I think would be true. If you really are someone who's after justice, it seems that you would gravitate towards God, learn about Him, and see how His justice works. Mm -hmm. Instead of just complaining and demonstrating. Yeah. Because you're not going to bring about God's righteousness with your wrath. Our justice system obviously is flawed. Obviously. And it does injustice because that's all the best we can do as humans. <laughs> um, we don't have ultimate knowledge and power to discern the correct thing in every situation. You, you can't know men's hearts. But God can. Oh, he has yes. perfect justice. There is no way for him to make a wrong conclusion about a verdict. There's not gonna, if, just, if God was the judge of all the criminals in the United States, there wouldn't be anybody wrongfully imprisoned because yep. of wrong testimony or anything like that. Yep. That's a good point. There would be no appeal. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there also wouldn't be any appeals. There would have been a perfect decision the first time. So, because the other, there is no higher authority. Yeah, there is no higher authority. I think that's what um, Hebrews says. He says that uh, men swear by a higher authority than themselves to give their arguments meaning. So they, they yeah. swear by God or they swear by these other things. But God has no higher authority from which to make a promise of. So he just says things. And they're true. <laughs> yeah. That's what I thought, you know... Uh, God can't lie mm -hmm. because what he says is true. If you were standing on a, in an empty room, completely empty, and you could say there's a rock there. Wow. You lied. Yeah. God said there's a rock there. There would be a rock there. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, when you have unlimited power, you can make reality. Yeah. 
whatever needs to be. So do you have any idea what we'll be talking about next time in case somebody out there is interested to know? Well, I think next time we're going to be talking about um, what it's like to be a practicing Christian, the difference between a professing Christian and a practicing Christian. Okay. And uh, so if you're interested in that conversation, tune in next week and... um, I think I will. (laughs) We'll be here. Okay. So um, just kind of sum up, when things seem to be really bad, remember the future and promises that God has and allow that to be your strength and allow that to be the firm foundation for your your standing in life. Yeah. Until next time, I uh, thank you for listening to this episode of Breakfast Theology. Hopefully you're uh, happy to be back as we are to uh, listening to these episodes. Yes. Thank you very much. Until next time. Bye.